0: I wonder how many of you have a nickname. Throw your hands up if you have a nickname, if you're known by something other than your name. A few people. Let's just see some names. There we go. Beans. You're Beans. Theo? The Rock. The Rock. (laughs) Why are you called The Rock? He's a rock at the back in defence. You're a rock at the back in defence. Very good. Anybody else at the back? Oh, Simon. Well, I, I have three. I have Sumo Sai, um, Chunk, uh, this <laughs> um, and Squiff. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. P. Peach, or pee? P? P. Are you nice? <laughs> e. Sorry? E. Eith. Accent short of your name. Okay. I know you. My nickname at school was Bookie. Bookie. Very nice. I'm going to have one more. There we go. In Switzerland, I'm called Dodo, but I'm not a Dodo and I'm not extinct yet. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, we'll finish there. Okay. One more now. I need, to, I need to work out more. I'm running around the church and I'm exhausted. Okay, so um, I did a little bit of research before. Let's see if you know who these people are. Well, we've, got, we've had beans. Who knows who Smithers is? Smithers. Sam Smith, well done. The Barrelizer. Abby. Abby Barrel. And finally, the Prime Minister. The Prime Minister. Would the Prime Minister like to show it himself, please? David Barrel, there we go. <laughs> Excellent. I won't ask you which political party you support, because that might yeah, tear the church apart, but there we go. Okay, so nicknames can be quite fun, can't they? They can be quite enjoyable. When I was younger, I was known as Dazza the Buzzer. My brother decided to call me Dazza the Buzzer, And it's kind of stuck. And now, every username that I use, if it's Twitter or Instagram, don't get Instagram, but I, I have an account, but don't use it. Um, but all these types of things has now become Dazza the Baza. And it's become a name that I've been known for. But sometimes, um, nicknames can stick. And you don't really understand why they're called that or kind of what that's all about. But you just call it him just because you do. I had a friend when I was at uni called TJ. And TJ, uh, at uni, became a Christian. It was amazing. Went to his baptism, amazing. Got into the pool, amazing. They said, I want to baptize you, Ian. (laughs) Ian? I thought your name was TJ. I assumed it was like Tony Jr. or something like that. And afterwards, I said, "Why, why are you called TJ? And he said, oh, well, when I was younger, um, when I was about 17, 18, I, uh, I used to go to, um, I used to work in this place, and they were called Tony. Uh, I, I worked with somebody called Tony, and they said I looked like Tony, so they called me Tony Junior, and then that became TJ, and then I've, from then on, I've just been known as TJ. So this guy was known as TJ, even though his name was Ian, and sometimes nicknames can stick. And that can be said about the person that we're going to look at a little bit um, this morning as well. And that is Thomas. Thomas from the Bible. And if we were to open our Bibles and look through, if we were to discuss with other people, you'll probably at some point hear the nickname Doubting Thomas. But why did this Thomas guy get such a nickname? Why did he get such a name? Because actually, reading the Bible, Thomas was quite... A faithful person. Thomas was quite a well-known person, but we'll have a look at it in a a little bit. But when it comes to doubt, you're probably going to be in one of these uh, groups if if, uh, we think about doubt. And the first group is specific doubts, maybe about the characteristic of God. We doubt that God will provide in a situation. We doubt that God will be in our relationship. We doubt that Maybe that family member that we've been praying for, or we doubt that maybe God might not heal that person. Or it might be that we doubt about who Jesus says he is. You know what? We were praying before, and sometimes we might doubt, I don't know if actually that prayer is going to be answered, or I don't know if that's going to happen. Or, you know, we're here today and we're singing songs. Am I making all of this up? Like, when we're singing, is it right? Am I, or is it true? And sometimes it might be, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. Or maybe you've heard of great missionaries, you know, we're hearing before about Brother Andrew. Um, And it it might be that you you look at that and you think, I believe that it can happen for them, but I don't believe it will happen for me. I don't know if anybody here has kind of had those thoughts before, maybe those concerns, uh, but that's kind of what we're going to look at today. But before I do that... I just want to start by reminding you a little bit about earlier when when Sam was talking, he's talking about stepping out of the boat, stepping out in faith. You know, Peter walked on water. Why? Because he stepped out of the boat. He believed that God would use him. He believed that he could get to Jesus in that situation. And I just want to remind you of a few verses in the Bible which talks about how amazing God is, how amazing God's power is. God is bigger than we can say. Bigger than we can imagine. Ephesians 3, verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Just a question do we believe this today? Do we believe that God can move in our lives today? Do we believe that? The thing is, we all have doubts. We all have doubts at one time or another. And there's probably been a time when we've doubted God or doubted something, either that somebody else has said or somebody else has done. And the question isn't if you doubt. The question is when you doubt, what do you do about it? And actually, is doubting a bad thing? Is doubting a bad thing? Why does it have such negative words? So if you can turn to me to John 20, we're going to look at the account of uh, the... um, Of Thomas and where he um, doubted God, or he doubted the appearance of God, and it appears on page one zero two nine in the church Bibles as well. So what we're going to do? We're going to look at the moment when Jesus came back and he was talking to his friends. It was after Jesus had died; he'd been crucified, he'd raised from the dead three days later. It was, and he appeared to his disciples, and understandably. His disciples were confused, they were a little bit scared, they didn't really know what was happening. They'd been following around this pretty amazing guy for three years, and then he'd gone. So quickly he'd gone, and that is where we join the story here. So let's read John 20, and it starts at verse uh, 24. Sorry, no, uh, verse 19. A bit later on, verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12, he wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus replied, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, so what we're going to do uh, quickly, we're going to look at three things about this passage. We're going to look at what John said. We're going to have a look at what Jesus said, and then we're going to have a look at how we respond. So firstly, what did John say? He said in verse 25, I will not believe, I will not believe. He doubts that the actual account that happens is real. Why? Because he wasn't there. Because Thomas wasn't there at the time. Don't know what happens there. Thomas was a very committed disciple, as saying before. We see a little bit earlier, if you want to turn to John 11, verse 16, Thomas encourages the rest of the disciples to go with Jesus when he goes to Bethany. And he says these words, let us go also so that we might die with him, with Jesus. This doesn't sound like a guy that had uh, little faith. It didn't sound like a guy that had doubt. He was committed. He was eager and keen to be with Jesus. And he wasn't even concerned that the consequence of that could have been death. The thing is, Thomas had cut himself off from the discipleship community when Jesus had died. Possibly, maybe to try and work out uh, the problems on his own, or to perhaps he felt he couldn't maybe associate with them anymore. The main reason for their association had gone. But for whatever reason, he missed the coming of Jesus. And as a result, he was penalized for his absence with a week of struggle. So, what can we learn about Thomas? We can learn that he was the absent man, but we can also learn that he was the honest man, the honest Thomas. You see, what we see in this passage is Thomas is completely honest about his doubt. Just imagine the tension in the room at that point. The disciples hurriedly come in and say, we have seen the Lord. He has risen. We've seen him, Thomas. We've seen him. And it could have been so easy for him to go with the flow and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, he didn't. Actually, what he did is he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. It takes a lot of guts and honesty to present our doubts and say, do you know what? Actually, I'm not so sure. You know, Thomas has set quite a high standard here of being honest. In that moment where he could have easily just gone with the flow, he asks for the proof. His response is very specific. He's looking for answers. And I just want to say, if you're here today in a similar position to Thomas, In a way, I want to encourage you to do what both Thomas did and what he didn't. First of all, what he did, ask questions. If you're unsure about something, if you're not sure uh, where God is in that situation, if you have doubt about um, situations, ask questions. Search the Bible. Search his words. It says a little bit later on in John's Gospel that these words are written so that you might believe. Read the Bible. Ask other people. Speak to other people. Speak to Jonathan on a Wednesday afternoon if you're free. He's here every Wednesday from three o'clock. Is that right? There we go. Jonathan has all the answers. Um, but, you know, speak to, uh, speak to Jonathan. Or speak to other people. Speak to your friends. Speak to uh, mentors or uh, friends and family. You know, over the years, uh, particularly with young people that I've worked with, so many people have been like, I doubt. I'm such a bad person. I doubt. Do you know, I don't think you need to feel bad about doubting. You don't need to feel bad about it. It's an uncertainty. With, with Thomas, he was, he was doubting, but he was, he was looking for the truth. He was pleading for the truth. And in our small group uh, series at the moment, we're looking at Philippians, where Paul talks about being made righteous uh, with God, and you'll be looking at that a little bit later if you're in a small group as well. And our righteousness with God it isn't earned um, by always having the answer, striving to be like the most faithful person on the planet, never doubting or never fearing. It's not about being perfect or never making mistakes. Why? Because if it was, none of us would be righteous. We are made righteous by knowing Christ. So again, if you sat here today and you feel guilty or condemned for having some type of doubt in your life, I just want to pray that you may know that by knowing Jesus, you've been made righteous in his eyes. Knowing you can say or do, nothing you can say or do, no thoughts of doubt or otherwise will stop Jesus from loving you any more or any less. And you know what? That brings such freedom, that the, the, the knowledge to know that you don't have to strive. You don't have to strive to always have the answers. What freedom it brings know that we don't always have to act in a certain way, we don't always have to pretend that we know the answers to appear like we've got everything sorted. So, uh, the next one. Oops, there we go. Uh, the response of Jesus. We see in verse 26 that a week later, Jesus came back. Only this time, Thomas was there. Hallelujah. And do you notice? It was almost a carbon copy of the week before. Jesus appears. Jesus says, Peace be with you. But also, Jesus knows exactly what Thomas had said the week before, because what Thomas had asked for, Jesus showed him, because Jesus knows exactly what he'd said. Now, if you're having doubts, Jesus knows exactly what's coming out of your mouth or what you're thinking. Psalm 10, verse 17 says, you, Lord, hear the desires of the afflicted. You listen to their cry. You know, Jesus knows exactly the situation in our hearts, and he sits with us in any doubts or any pain. And also, Jesus isn't angry. He doesn't have a go at Thomas. He could have easily gone, seriously, you don't believe? After everything that I taught you, after everything that you'd seen, feeding of the 5,000, don't remember that, Thomas? He doesn't. He's compassionate. He meets Thomas where he's at, and he gives him the answers he so desperately needs. So how do we respond to this? So if and when you have doubts, I just want to encourage you to be like Thomas and being honest with your doubt. You know, in my experience, I've found that having a mentor has been really helpful. You know, somebody away from it all, just to be like, you know what, I'm really struggling with this at the moment. Can you help me with this? Can you pray for me with this? Or a prayer tripler or an accountability partner, just being honest about your struggles instead of hiding away so you can deal with those things as well and pray for them. And secondly, I encourage you not to isolate yourself like Thomas did. You know, I'm not saying don't go away and spend time with God at all. I'm not saying that at all. Of course, it's really great to um, uh, spend time with God in that secret place. But actually, because Thomas was isolated from the rest of the community, he missed out on exactly what what he required, that assurance that Jesus was alive. And he missed out on that at the time. And it may be the very thing that you need in times of doubt or times of confusion is in fellowship, is in church services, is in prayer meetings, is in your small group. I encourage you um, to to don't, you know, don't lose that because of guilt. Don't separate yourself from that because you feel guilty about doubts or concerns. And thirdly, I encourage you to, uh, to persevere. You know, Thomas had to grapple with this doubt for a week. And it doesn't really mention there in the Bible, it doesn't say what happened in that week. We can only speculate, you know, it could be maybe the disciples time and time again were like, seriously Thomas, it did happen, I promise you. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mention that. But Just imagine that awkwardness for those seven days. Jesus with the disciples, the disciples celebrating, you know, we've seen the risen Lord. Thomas didn't believe him. And during times of doubt, struggles, it may be helpful to remind yourself of past experiences when God has uh, provided for you, or put yourself in a situation where you can hear of God's provision. Can I encourage you as a church as well? Can we share what God's doing in our life? What? How great is it to hear testimony of what God is doing in our life today? You know, we've heard about what Jesus has done in our past. We've heard what Jesus has done for us, which is amazing. But let's also share about what Jesus is doing today, tomorrow. Share what God is doing in our lives. Let's celebrate how Jesus is alive today as he has been 2,000 years ago. So just as we finish, I just want to uh, uh, encourage you to reflect on some of the areas in our own lives. How are we doing today with our relationship with God? Is there anything that's preventing us Today, from totally putting our trust in him. And it may be that during uh, the talk, m- maybe God has stirred something up in you. Maybe it's that you need to go away and you're like, do you know what? I need to pray about something. I need to talk to somebody about um, a concern I've got, a doubt I've got. I encourage you to do that. A little bit later on, Jesus, in verse 29, Jesus promises that there'll be a special blessing for those that believe without seeing Sometimes that can be really difficult. Sometimes we need the evidence. You know, we need to, if we use the illustration of Sam before with the Charles Blondin story, we need to know that somebody will be in the wheelbarrow that will roll across and come back before we get in the wheelbarrow. You know, but maybe, maybe God's just saying today, just get in the wheelbarrow. Trust me, I haven't, felt, I haven't uh, let you down before and I'm not going to let you down again. You might go, but it's too difficult, I'm not sure. Just get in the wheelbarrow, don't worry. But what will people think? What if I'm embarrassed? What if, don't worry, get in the wheelbarrow. But what if I fail? What if I do it and I get it wrong? Don't worry, just get in the wheelbarrow. Just a bit of a a challenge for you. What is it that God's calling you to do today? Where is God asking you to take control? Or allowing God to take control, sorry. Uh, I'm just going to finish by praying. And I just want to, if we can uh, start to play the next song, Simon. um, The Creed, that would be great. And if you're in the band, if you'd like to come up. Just as, uh, as the band just starts to play, we're going to um, finish in a second by singing um, the creed, this I believe. And I really just want to encourage you, if there's a situation that maybe came to mind as I was talking, or if there's, a, is a, if there's an area in your life where you really just need faith in it at the moment, I just want, to imag- I want you to imagine that situation, and I want you to imagine Jesus in that situation. You know, a God that provides, a God that will never let us down, a God that loves us, a God that cares for us. He's in that situation with us as we step out. So Father God, we we thank you that you do provide, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are a God that loves us, that cares for us. Father God, we just want to pray now. Lord, I want to pray now for every single person in this room. Lord, that we may be willing to step out for you. Lord, that we may be willing to put our doubts to one side, to trust in you as our author and perfecter. Lord, to know you, to love you.